Hello everybody and welcome to What Would The Smart Party Do? We're back again, we've got another guest waiting in the wings, but before that, I'm joined by my good friend Baz. How are you doing Baz? I'm really good, thanks mate. Another another guest you say? Are you yeah. Doing, are we seeing other people, is that what you're telling me? Well, I'm beginning to think that they're in a very open relationship because there's more guests further down the line towards the end of the year as well, I can see more on the horizon. We're quickly becoming a, um, a threesome or a, some kind of Mormon group, I don't know what's happening. Uh, well, yeah, I know, but but it's, it's it's been a delight. I mean, what what a packed year of guests! So, you know, scroll back through the back catalogue, please, listeners. There's an awful lot of stuff there. We're probably getting this stuff out quicker than people can listen to it. Sorry about that. Not sorry at all. <laughs> <laughs> we we did get one uh, jokey complaint from one of my dear listeners. Actually, that we're, we were producing podcasts too fast. So, this one I'm going to try and contain myself and release it a little bit later and see if that gives people a chance to catch up. Well, at least this one isn't about a Kickstarter because you know sometimes we are kind of time bound to the, to the product releases that people have come on to talk about. And, That's uh, true. So this, this one's a bit different, isn't it, mate? Do you want to do you want to do you want to tee up what the main topic's going to be when we get to it? Yeah, well, because we're quite long in the teeth now, I hate to break it to our listeners who assume we're handsome young 25-year-olds, but because we've been around for a while, remembering what it was like to play your first game or even DM it, the the, the really scary bit, is lost to the mists of time. Uh, so what mm. I thought we'd do this time, or we thought we'd do, is get on uh, someone who's just run the very first game and see how that experience went and ask them a few questions about it because I think that might appeal to some of our listeners who've perhaps not taken that step yet to go and run their own first game so to hear what somebody else thought and how they got on might inspire them to do it, do it themselves maybe Yeah, uh, and what a great conversation that was as well and just so refreshing to, to talk to someone not not at the beginning of their hobby, far no. from it but at the beginning of their the, in the GMing seat yeah, um, and to to hear about you know their their fears, their challenges, and their successes as well. So so Nina will be on in a minute, and um, it's well worth a listen. I really enjoyed that conversation. Yeah, it was good. I mean, I have to apologise in advance for the um, sometimes there were some ins and outs and quality issues because we were across the pond, and sometimes the, the internet lets us down. But uh, the content is gold as always. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, what else has been going on in, in the wacky world of gaming, mate? Since uh, since we last spoke, well, probably less than a day ago. So maybe not <laughs> Feels <much>. like yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> well, talking of Kickstarters, it's uh, it behooves me to mention uh, that Russ, who we had on last time, talking about uh, 2000 AD or just reading the worlds of 2000 AD, that Kickstarter has now started. I think within about nine minutes it had funded, so we don't need to promote it too much. But just to let our dear listeners know it is out there and it's all about the stretch goals now so jump in on that one That's it's going gangbusters already but um, well worth a, a couple of shekels I reckon the good thing as he mentioned when he was on as well is that the book's already written and basically ready to print and go so no risk involved which is the right way to do a Kickstarter of course yeah absolutely uh, I've been spending a bit of time with some Judge Dredd strips from back in the day as well um, that stuff is absolute gaming gold uh, you, I mean, you can yeah. pick up Judge Dredd stories yeah, really easily these days, and of course, 2000 AD is still a regular publication. Um, why, why haven't I been doing this a long time? Why haven't I been going back to 2000 AD <laughs> to run stuff in Savage Worlds for the last 20 years? Ah, oh, kicking myself, kicking <laughs> myself, and critically missing. So that's not so good. It's just time, isn't it? It's time. You mentioned Savage Worlds. Uh, the Kickstarter, the new edition of that, will be out in uh, 
probably a couple of weeks after this podcast goes live. One thing I noticed on their sites that they've done a little bit differently is um, they've got a new way of putting stuff out. So it's a bit like a DMs Guild type affair where you can uh, stick stuff up and they get a, a certain percentage and the provider gets a certain percentage and the author gets about 60%. So for all the budding uh, scenario writers that are out there, there's going to be a new, easier way of getting Savage Worlds products out uh, and into the public domain, which can only be a good thing. Yeah, I think it can only be a good thing. It's it's astonishing now if you really want to write for gaming purposes. Back in the day when we were young scrubs, mate, you would send in articles to White Dwarf or article proposals to stuff like that or Imagine Magazine or Dragon, I suppose. But now, you know, the companies are making it really, really easy and technology's made it even easier at your end. You can be a published writer for a major piece of, of role-playing business for well plenty of effort but none of the obstacles that would have gotten in your way before there's nothing stopping people being uh, someone who writes D&D adventures Savage Worlds adventures Numenera I want to say Call of Cthulhu I think have a, have a open source stuff that you can write for them as well so yeah it, it's, it's there to be written yeah it's all good I might even do one or two myself who knows We're talking of writing adventures of course our dear patrons are waiting with bated breath I imagine for my little dear dear adventure I've put together that's just going through an edit at the minute and maybe even be out by the time this podcast comes out so uh, if you fancy throwing a couple of dollars in the patron jar feel free to do that now and you not only get my new adventure but the one that Baz wrote and access to the smart zine as well so plenty of good stuff for our supporters and a big shout out to uh, Mike, Phil, John and Joe Uh, just some of uh, our glorious listeners who've been sharing some of the podcast episodes around and having a bit of a chat engagement talking to us we do like to hear back from uh, all you out there in listener land so it's always great when we see things being shared about or talked about that's what keeps us going frankly yeah it does well it keeps the lights on doesn't it mate and you know please do join us on patreon it's, it's only a dollar or a couple of dollars and, and every little bit does matter uh, and you know we, we do make it worth your while now as well like Gaz says we've got a, a growing catalogue of, of goodies which is yours for less than a price of a cup of coffee realistically and we don't begrudge you that at all so give us a dollar we'll give you everything we can <laughs> yeah absolutely uh, in real world meat space news there was a, a newish convention that had happened uh, just this weekend gone which was Albert and Wizard Staff which again we seem to be talking quite a bit at the minute actually about people just getting up and doing stuff so it was a first time run of a convention I saw the pictures on the Twitter sphere and on uh, Facebook. lots of people turned up lots of games played of different varieties we saw a good friends uh, Dirt the Dice and other people from the Grognor Files were there and quite a few other people like Kiwi Birch from the old Cult of Keepers and, and all kinds of folk from the role playing thing but that just goes to show again that if you're put a bit of a shout out and say I'm going to run this thing in Harris Space. you get loads of gamers turning up and playing all kinds of stuff these days which is super awesome to see mm, yeah shame I couldn't make it myself I kind of regretted not making more of an effort looked like yeah, I was double booked uh, and I guess uh, the last couple of quick things to mention before we wheel on our delightful guest RPG Casts has now added to their as to their director rather um, Tess there's uh, especially looking out for any sort of casters that are people of colour other genders, all kinds of different people who, who perhaps don't get the love they they do in this the sea of men that you tend to find in role playing. She's curating a good list there of all kinds of different uh, groups of people that are doing their thing. So well worth checking out um, her on Twitter or her website just to kind of get a view of some different views of the world from different people in the gaming world, which is cool. And I think with that, um, I have got more news, but I might save it for next time. Honestly, there's so much going on in role playing these days; it's it's superb. Uh, but let's let's get our good guest on and uh, listen to what she has to say about DMing. 
Yeah, cool. So here's Nina. You can get in touch with the Smart Party via your favourite electronic means. Look us up on the forums where we're just about everywhere, or you can simply email us at thesmartparty at hotmail.com. Your comments, insights, questions and revelations are always welcome. Roll diplomacy. After a list of other guests from uh, all over the industry, what we thought we'd do, because we're quite long in the tooth, and it's ages ago since we ran our first game, was get a brand new freshly minted DM on the line. So we've invited Nina along. How are you doing, Nina? Hi, I'm so great. I'm so happy to be here. How are you? Yeah, we're all good at our end. So <laughs> now I'm, I'm trying to recall back to my first time when I actually ran a game properly and how I felt about it. And I think I was kind of forced into it a little bit. So do you want to kind of like just tell us a little bit about your story, how you kind of got into D&D and, and what led you to actually running a game for the first time? Sure. So I got into gaming when my brother came back from college one year and he brought Dungeons and Dragons with him. And I was like what the heck, Eric? That's like a game for nerds. And he was like, uh, Nina, you are a nerd. Just play it. You'll love it. I swear. And so we played it and he ran a one shot for me and my friend. And, you know, we somehow ended up with our horses got stolen by pixies and they were left up in a tree. And I just remember thinking like, this is the coolest thing. I love this. I want to do more of this. And so I've been playing for about 10 years now and um, and that's kind of why I started DMing too, is after about 10 years of playing, you're like, well, probably about my turn to learn how to DM. And I feel like the more roles you can get into in something, the, um, more benefit you have in each one. Like I think by learning how to DM, it will help me be a better player as well. And so I just wanted to try and explore that role and, um, get to, get to a better point and become a better D&D player. So one time I played in college a homebrew campaign mm. that my friend had designed and um, played that for a while. But I guess I didn't really get into D&D like as a every week long campaign sort of thing until probably about three years ago mm. when I found a group here where I live now in Asheville. And we've been playing every Sunday. We have a podcast. And that was really when it started to get like, okay, there's a huge world and it's endless. Mm. And I've now played enough of it that I really, really get it. Okay. Uh, this would be fifth edition, I guess, as well. That brought yeah. so many people into the hobby. Mm -hmm. It's very accessible. You know, it's like, it's, the skills make sense. The rules make sense. There's not a ton of math like in 4 mm -hmm. <laughs> You're not constantly whipping out your calculator being like, how do I do what I want to do? Mm -hmm. That's how I feel, at least. <laughs> yeah, sure, sure, sure. Okay, so so what was the catalyst in the end? Then? What, what pushed you behind the screen? What made you take that leap? I think I just have my own story to tell. I think what always kept me from DMing is that I'm not a rules person. I don't, I'm not the kind of person that opens a board game and is like, let's read the rules and then play. I'm like, let's play and we'll figure it out. <laughs> and I think that never really was kind of something I could do with D&D until recently. I think it's very rules oriented and that's great. That's awesome. Like you can tell a great story behind that. But for me, I'm not so good with rules. <laughs> I just want to tell a story. <laughs> so have, have you tried any other games besides D&D? Because the, there are some other games that don't have quite so heavy rules, or is it just is role-playing in your head, D&D, where, it, where it's at, basically? I have tried a few, but I've never really liked anything as much as D&D. I feel like it's really been edited to perfection. It's really 
turned into this thing that's just unbeatable. But I mean, I'm, I probably should explore more. <laughs> I'm sure I would <laughs> like other ones. But. No, there is a variety out there. I think some are quite rules light, but in a way that makes them more difficult to play. If you've got a game like D and D, it's pretty exacting in terms of what you're supposed to do. It says it right there about exploration and adventure and here's what you're doing all these circumstances and, and well laid out i think some of the games that have less rules are actually in a way harder to play mm-hmm. because you're you making it up yourself or or it feels that way without something to look up in the book you're kind of having to make up your own rules do you, do you know what i'm saying absolutely that? yeah yeah mm-hmm. so having having made the decision then to to run the game uh, which is quite a big decision for many people, I think. Well, did it actually, I'll ask the question, did it feel like a big decision to do it? Did it feel like, a, you know, like like you're taking your relationship with D&D to the next level and moving <laughs> in with each other? <laughs> Definitely. It, it totally felt like that. I think I had a lot of feelings of like, what if I'm not meant for this? What if I mm-hmm. fail? Can I still play D&D? You know, what if I'm just Can you still always... be friends? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? Like, oh, God, what if I'm a failure at D&D if I can't DM? And, like, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not sure I'm a great DM. Like, everyone told me that they had a lot of fun. But Mm -hmm. I think I am the kind of person that's always like, is everyone having fun? Oh, my God, is everyone having fun? Please tell me everyone's having fun. And so I was think I was too worried about that the whole time. And so I'm like, okay, maybe I just need to calm down and try again. Or maybe I'm just not meant to be a DM. And that's okay, too. Did you find yourself becoming a little bit of a needy DM? So just by making sure everyone else was happy all the time, having a good time, we like constantly asking every sort of five seconds because I, I know I've done something similar in the past where I'm forever like badgering the players to make sure they're okay and probably putting them off a little bit by doing that. So did you find yourself needing to ask if you're having fun during the game or did you leave it till afterwards? Yeah, not during, but afterwards. It's like, I just, oh my God, Nina, we were we had fun. <laughs> We've already told you. So when you were thinking about this first game, did you want to do a published adventure or something you'd done yourself? What did you do there? I wanted to do a homebrew because I have done so many other pre-writtens play, as a player. And so I think I put a lot of pressure on myself by being like, okay, this is how it's going to go. You know, mm. and I don't think you can really do that as a TM from coming from the other side. It's like, okay, maybe don't put so much pressure on yourself next time. <laughs> yeah. What, what did you think? Uh, what What were your worries before before stepping up? I mean, you, you're writing your own scenario, which is a which is a massive deal in itself. But you know, d- did you have any fears? I mean, did, were you worried, for example, that you I don't know that you might forget rules? That seems to be a fairly common one. That when I speak to people, even though it turns out that doesn't matter in the slightest, <laughs> it's a big fear going behind the screen. Yeah, um, that wasn't a fear for me because I brought on two players I've been playing with for years, and cool. um, they, I mean, you can I can totally lean on them whenever. And so anytime I had a like a <laughs> moment, I was like, uh, okay, uh, what do you guys think? Um, but then I also had two players who had never played before, and so I think it was a really great first oh, wow. game So it was like it was my first time DMing. It was their first time playing and then it was their you know millionth time playing first and thrill and only fears i think my only fear was pacing but actually was what i was best at um we took a break right in the middle we finished right on time um and that made me worried about like oh my gosh did i make it too railroady did they feel like they didn't have options like did i just move them along the story too quickly (laughs) i think it it worked out okay (laughs) 
I think pacing is a big one. You get some people who um, say, for example, at conventions, they say they can't get their scenario into four hours, which I think you, me and Baz would always say you can. That's like, how you're running the game that's the problem. But uh, I think it's a difficult one as a, as a DM sometimes to figure out what the players want almost. Because players, if, if you're not careful, they'll be happy to sit and chat in the bar for three hours. And, <laughs> the old guy in the corner's got the plot and he's still waiting for him to be asked to like, what's your mission, old wizard? And he's like, you know, come on, guys. They're busy having a party. So, I mean, you've done quite well there, but I think that that's something that never goes away where you feel like quite often as DM, you want to push pace a bit because you feel like you've got a story to tell. We need to get through it almost. But you kind of, at the same time, going to balance it with, I'm just going to let the players riff off each other because they seem to have been a nice time. I don't want to interrupt it too much. The Smart Party are raising funds to help with the running costs of the show. We use Patreon, which is kind of like a modern magic item that turns you into a connoisseur of all that is good in gaming. To show your support, just head over to patreon.com slash thesmartparty. You can donate a dollar, a credit, a copper piece or a fiver per month. It all goes into the portable whole of web hosting costs and helps us look after you every month with new smart party content. Patreons get a big thanks from us, some backer-only goodies as and when, and the warm, confident glow of the just and righteous to help you sleep at night. Join the smart party at patreon.com today and tell all your friends tomorrow. Cheers! Did you have any freeform elements in your game, or was it all like plotted out in advance, or what happened there? I didn't flesh it out. At first, I was like, oh, my gosh, I didn't flesh it out enough. Is this going to run okay? But as it started going, I realized that, like, I'm very good at improv. And so I just made all the rest of it up on the spot. And it it felt like writing because it's like, okay, in writing, you have an outline and then you flesh it out. And if you, I felt like going into the session with just an outline was probably the right choice because as their characters were coming into their own beings, I could kind of twist the story a little to help their story if that makes sense mm. sure what was the story what could you can you uh take us through those plot points then you know what what was it all about sure so it started out there was a um incredibly world-renowned herbalist who was dying and her son wanted to invest in some adventurers to help them find this cure that he knew his herbalist mother had hidden because she was connected with the um, elves and that sort of thing. And she had hidden this book in this abandoned library. And so the adventurers come in and they go to this library to find this book. And basically it's a big dungeon crawl. Um, You find a key and there's like a lot of, (laughs) I like puzzles. I put some puzzles in there and those were the plot points. And then as I was doing it, I really, they were like, well, what does that key look like? And I'm like, oh, um, it's a golden thistle. <laughs> yeah, it looks just like the book you saw in their house, I guess. <laughs> Amazing what comes to mind when you get asked direct questions. Your, yeah. your instincts take over, don't they? And, uh, and it just comes out and it's fine. It's always fine. But it never yeah. feels like it's going to be. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you're like, you know that you know all the answers and they don't know anything, but then you're still like, oh my God, they're catching on. They know, they know I'm faking this. <laughs> At least that's think, the anxiety that I had. <laughs> I think the, the great unsaid secret of all games is that everybody knows that everybody is faking it. And and of course you're faking it. We're all faking it because we're not all dragons <laughs> and we can't actually fly and cast fireballs. So it's probably all right to admit that people make stuff up in a fantasy role-playing game. <laughs> but Why we all sweat over it. And we've got this, we all want to do this verisimilitude thing where, where people think this is a beautifully constructed little palace of adventure you've got behind your GM screen. And sometimes it's two post-it notes and a half a good idea. 
that's fine. It works, it works. I feel like I've been let in on this amazing secret. Yeah, I was going to describe the thing you were about there, Baz, as um, it's the kind of Wizard of Oz thing for me, that you know there's a little guy behind the curtain pulling all the levers, but everybody's trying really hard not to look at him. So we all know that it's not actually like the wizard. We know there's just like some dude with a gem screen, but we just try really hard not to look behind it and like focus on the big image we've got in front of us. Because I think that's it's like giving a speech at a wedding. Everyone's on your side. They all want you to. Well, no one's like trying to look for flaws in what you're doing. They're all trying to make it better, right? But they should be. Be too drunk to talk. Be too drunk to talk. No, no one's no one's saying that. <laughs> So did you find any difference? I'm interested that you said you got two like old hands at the game almost and then two pretty new people. Did you find any difference between the way they played or interacted or or could you not spot much between it? Was it all was you focused on your sort of end of things? Um, I think it was easy for me because they're all dear friends of mine. So I know how they talk and communicate. And um, the two new players are part of my book club. So I know what kind of fantasy they like too. So that made it easy. Yeah, I think storytelling-wise, you can't spot the difference. I think um, a good storyteller is a good storyteller, and I think some people just pick up on that immediately. Mm. Um, but I think that's really dependent on the person. So I, I couldn't spot it, but I also know all of them really well. So did you, did you have them do their own characters, or were you part of that, or did you supply them? How did the, the player characters end work out? Yeah, so the two people that I've played with before, I just let them go wild with it. Um, And (laughs) they came up with some really funny characters. Uh, One was a, like, a a druid that was just um, totally into nature and, like, smoking pot and hanging out in the park. (laughs) And then one was just this total battle wizard that was amazing. And uh, But then the two new people, I really wanted to be a part of their character creation and help them and walk them through it because they'd never done it before. One of them was a um, tiefling warlock. And then the other one was this amazing ranger. She was a half, uh, she was a gnome ranger and she had this woodpecker that lived in her hair. She had this mountain lion. That's their thing. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it's so, it's so lovely to introduce people to role playing and just watch their, their eyes widen as they realize that they don't have to sit in front of a typewriter or a laptop and compose a novel because that's actual work. <laughs> you can just spin something up out of nothing. And, and and as a group, you get so much more than you would do working as a team around the table to generate an adventure than you do just sitting on your own with a piece of paper in front of you. Totally. Um, yeah. And when you're at a loss for words. Yeah, when you're at a loss for words, someone else is there to pick you up. And I think it was a great group for that balance too. Like I would love to play with them all again and do a campaign and DM it hopefully better this time. <laughs> yeah. I, I was uh, What was it like? Uh, I assume this happened. Do you remember having to say roll for initiative for the first time and get involved in a combat? Oh, uh, yes. I'm still mad at myself about it too. <laughs> because it was this giant spider that was hiding on the wall. And like, instead of describing the room, I was like, oh, what's your marching order? And then, um, well, you know, one guy was like, oh, Tanner is first. And I was like, roll for initiative. Because <laughs> <laughs> they walked into the room and I was like, oh, that was so awkward. I should have done that so much more smoothly. But no, we'll tip a hat to you. If you can have a game with new people and come away from it all and you're still friends and that's a win in our book. So um, it's, it's about, it's just really enthusiasm, really, isn't it? And uh, eagerness to get on with the story. 
a fan of all the stories, but I just want to dive into it. And I want a reliable group that will show up on time every single week at the same time, but doesn't everyone? Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah. that's the dream. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so have you had any um, DMs of your own that you've played with that have, um, have kind of inspired you a little bit? Have you, have you nicked little bits and pieces from other people and picked some tips and hints? Or did you feel like you were just kind of like forging your own path a little bit? Definitely. Um, my brother, definitely for one, he's a fantastic storyteller. And then the group I've been playing with the last couple of years, um, his name is Wes Rat King on Twitter. And he's been um, my DM for the last couple of years. And he's fantastic with horror. And that's sort of like really creating an atmosphere. And I think that's why I'm beating myself up about it a little bit because I was like, oh my gosh, that was nothing. But I have to remember that like, you know, I was there for his first session and it was probably a lot the same, you know, but after years of playing together, you tend to forget the stumbly moments because you're so invested in the story. Mm. It's all about practice. Just doing it again and again. So I was half ideas on a post-it. Oh, two post-its and half an idea. <laughs> <laughs> the other post-its for when the second half occurs to you halfway through the game. <laughs> I love that. That's great. <laughs> but it will get you a long way. And if in doubt, you know, just have some ninjas burst in for a window because that'll, get you, that'll buy you half an hour of time. That'll that was my time. second roll for initiative. I was like, oh my God, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, giant centipedes, here we go. Roll for initiative. <laughs> <laughs> this will buy me some time. Exactly. exactly. I, I think you're being way too hard on yourself here. I mean, Gaz and I, were, we, we're going to try and reach out to as many people who are just getting brand new into DMing and GMing as we can. Uh, and I tell you, what, I think you'd be a pretty hard act to follow because this doesn't sound like a terrible game at all. So, you know. <laughs> oh, did you want me to be terrible? Dang it. No, but <laughs> it's so long ago since, since we did our first game. I, I genuinely cannot remember the first time I GM'd. I can remember the first time I played. That's not a problem at all. That'll be imprinted on my mind forever. I don't think I can remember the first time I GM'd, even though it would have been probably within the same year that I started playing. I think it would have been me just because there was nobody else to do it and I stepped up one day and had a go. But it was a very, very, very long time ago and I'm just really fascinated to see, you know, what is it like to, to make that step these days because I think it is a big step and I think some people think it's an impossible step and it clearly isn't. It clearly isn't. It's, you know, it's, it's like uh, driving a car in Rome. It looks impossible from the outside, but millions of people do it and that's why it's so busy. <laughs> <laughs> do you think it's like going back to the whole best man speech that we were talking about um like I was the best man at my brother's wedding and I totally blacked out like cannot remember a word I said do you guys ever have that while dming or are you just like oh, I don't know what just happened but here we go <laughs> yeah yeah I, yeah I do yeah not not so often these days because I think there's um there's been a big well come back and ask us in 10 years when you've been doing this for a long time and it'd be interesting to see how your dming style how what it grows into and then what it changes because it's not static forever for sure and um and over my career as a dm i used to be probably quite straight down the line i ran a lot of pre-written adventures um and i ran them very rules as written and and definitely you know straight stayed close to what was in the books and over time, I've become a lot looser and a bit more improvisational. And now, you know, now I sometimes pick games where there's there's no preparation to do. You have to just swallow hard and go for it with the players you've got at the table. And that means that sometimes nothing happens. 
there's you know it's just it's just dead air and and unfortunately you know it never really gets off the ground um but at the same time sometimes everything happens and you just sit back and you don't even notice that four hours have gone past because it's just buzzing and everyone's just feels a little bit lifted um and you don't notice that you've been sitting in the same spot for a couple of hours it's uh you know it's magical and the weird thing is you never know which one it's going to be you never know. <laughs> I think you do get used to certain groups of players, which is how you're saying you've done. You, the guys from the book club, and so forth. But quite a lot of the games that uh, me and Baz play, for example, are at conventions, and then you get a complete bunch of strangers at the table, and then it's really tough because you don't know what they're into, or even be, be able to judge like their facial expressions or body language. And if someone's been quite down into the table, uh, you you might think that they're not enjoying it, but we've both had like people who come up to us afterwards and shake their hands and go, that was the best game I've ever played with, and they barely said two words all session, so it's really difficult to judge sometimes. Yeah, totally. Is that facial expression hatred? Is it love? <laughs> I can't. What is going on? <laughs> I, I, it's boredom that you feel the most. <laughs> yeah, that's, the, that's the one, that's the killer. It's the boredom, it's the yawning or the checking uh, the smartphone. And, um, uh, and do you allow people's Oh, well, I, you know, I'm, I'm all right with them now. Again, I used to be a bit more hardcore about it and say, like, you, you will have my kind of fun or there'll be no fun at all. And then I realized, <laughs> actually, if I really wanted to keep my friends, I should probably let them do the things that they want to do <laughs> in, in their own houses. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably a little bit more strict. But then, yeah, I had, um, but I had, I had a game sort of like two or three years ago. Uh, and there was a player that was on on a laptop, and I got quite annoyed about that because I was sort of like, "You're either playing my game or your game on your machine." You, you pick one kind of thing, and got a bit sort of like shirty about it. Um, but I only found out afterwards that the player had um, some special needs and needed other forms of stimulation and things like that. And it's just like they weren't being rude; it's just to handle a social environment they needed that. So there's kind of that, that element that's folded into things as well. We like sometimes it's not people are disinterested or whatever; they just got. Uh, another way they can handle being in a large social group. I think I've never, I've never played at a convention. I'm really curious about the differences. Like it's got to be harder to DM for total strangers. On the other hand, it's, it could sometimes be easier because you know you don't. It's like getting on stage and being in a band. I imagine I've ne- I've never done that. But as long as you've got a bit of a performance about you, you have they your players have no prejudices. There's no baggage. You can put on funny accents and make a fool of yourself, and you never kind of have to see them again. No, you know, and often the weird bit about it is the strangers you're playing with are strangers to each other as well. So within mm-hmm. 10 minutes, don't forget, everybody's pretending to be someone else anyway. So, you know, you've got Tannis the Wood Elf and you've got Grogar the Half-Orc. So it doesn't matter that, you know, I've played with people for hours and hours and hours and then realised at the end of it, I never knew what their real name was. And, and <laughs> I've played with some people for years and not known what their middle name is. <laughs> <laughs> And we're too busy being wizards and being on flying carpets and invading tombs. So it's all make-believe. And um, it's only ever the first 10 minutes that are awkward, I think. Yeah, definitely. I think I'll need to prepare a little bit for that. I already have a lot of social anxieties. I feel like meeting a whole bunch of new people. Well, okay. But to be fair, though, my next DMing session is going to be we, Wes Rat King, who I just spoke about my last DM, mm-hmm. he and I have run a Halloween D&D session for the last few years. And the first year it had 12 people. The second year it had 22 people. And this year we're expecting closer to 40. And um, I'm running a table there. And I'm excited about that. I'm probably going to do another homebrew. 
uh, trolls and witches and the such, but I won't know most of the people that have been there. And so hopefully yeah. it'll go well. <laughs> yeah, that's a convention. 40 people is definitely a convention. I've been to smaller ones yeah. than that. Yeah. <laughs> I think the good thing about being DM is that you're in charge as well. So people kind of like automatically, socially kind of like follow your lead a little bit. Um, yeah. Do you know what I mean? It is that best man speech, I think, to a certain extent, but also how you run the game and what you want to do. Um, people are more willing to go with it if you're the DM. It's, okay. it's a, sometimes it's a bit weird as a player when you're trying to guide things. As a DM, you can kind of let, let the groundwork like a little bit and go like, hello, this is me. This is what I'm going to give you. And, and people are more willing to follow your life. Would you say that's true, Matt? Uh, yeah, you're, you're the leader at the table. It's a good thing to do if you've got any kind of social anxieties at all it sounds counterintuitive but you know dm some dnd because you've got structure around your interaction with other people i find it helps you know within a few minutes it just melts away it's the anticipation is the bad thing it seems that most people still have a bit of anxiety running up to the game and maybe the first 10 minutes or half an hour but then once they've got going it all seems to melt away and you get used to doing what you're doing and that becomes the focus of uh, how your brain's working at the time is like, I'm just running this game of D&D and that's kind of where the fun is. And you, you forget about any anxieties you might have, I think. Yeah, I think so. Did you, did you did you really seriously worry about performance then? Was that one of the challenges that you had in mind before you stepped up? Ooh, maybe not before. Um, I like to tell stories and I think I stumble a little bit verbally. I'm much more of a writing type of person. Yeah. Um, and I think after, I'm still worried that I didn't describe things well enough. But I can't remember, so. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, I think, you know, cut yourself some slack because the medium of role-playing is, it's, at best, it's improvisational radio theatre. That's at its very, very best. And none of us are professional stand-up comedians or, or storytellers or, you know, verbal storytellers. It's never going to be as good as a short story, a novel, or even something the first draft of one of those because you're doing it all in the moment and you're reacting to so many things and, you know, I mean, I teach English for a living, but sometimes all I can do when I describe an orc is just say they're big and fierce. <laughs> and I'm thinking, come on, there must be other adjectives in the world. There must be. But for one reason or another, they just don't come out and they don't come to mind. But it's all right. It's OK. It works in the room. Um, you know, if you ever if you ever really want to feel good about yourself, check out some live streams or stuff like that. And some of them are done by the pros. And bear in mind, they're all edited and stuff. None of these would make good short stories or long ones for that matter. If you wrote it down, it would look awful. No, that's that's absolutely fair. You're right. Yeah. Big and fierce. It will get you a long way. That That's what the other <laughs> post-it note was for. God damn it. <laughs> Orc equals big slash fierce. Got it. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> Where's my paycheck? <laughs> yeah, then the level body's big and fierce. He gets both adjectives. I mean, that, that's it. You don't... <laughs> yeah i think different dms have different styles as well i i recently referred to a good friend of ours on the, on the show Dirt the dice as a, a cabaret gm and he had absolutely no idea what to make of that when he had called him that but what i meant by it was that he, he put a lot into performance so he did he had like bits of poetry in his game and all sorts he had this little notebook and uh there's kind of references to the 80s and stuff based on this other thing that he'd done and put on different voices and getting through the game, everybody seems okay with it. I mean, that's all that's required of you. Mm. I think, as, as Baz was mentioning then as well, what, what we try to go for these days is the DM's just another player. He just got a different role. So 
you've got equal responsibility to everybody else to perform or anything else around the table. You've just got a different set of a different job description, better than players. But I think it's up to everybody. Like you know, everybody should suffer a little bit of anxiety if anyone does. Yeah, and I think every DM brings something different to the table too. Like I might need to work on my performance, but one thing I'm very good at is arts and crafts. So I created these really cool maps and these kind of like you know. Um, grids and sort of things that like physical tangible things that people could touch and play with and that sort of thing and um i personally like that at a table i know it doesn't work especially like if you're playing online and that sort of thing but that's something that i can bring as i've been crafting for most of my life mm. yeah that, that's that's really important skill set to have as well i mean there'll be there'll be some fabulous gms out there who who just can't do a handout you know, and they really struggle. And, and if you look on Facebook or whatever, you'll see people asking for advice. And the advice is always from sometimes it always feels a bit left field if it's something that you can do yourself. People say, like, how do you how do you write a letter from an NPC to the party? I don't don't even know where to start or how to tea stain a piece of paper. And people are always asking about fonts as well. They're fascinated with them. And, and for someone who's good at it, you, you, you might be thinking, like, well, how is this even an issue for you? But in, in other areas, these people excel. So, you know, you, I don't think everyone can be good at everything. And, and if the DM is anything, it's someone who has to do about 15 jobs. It's yeah. You've really got to be a, a master, not even a master, but you've got to be aware of quite a few different things you're trying to do. Yeah, and I guess the truth in the end all is that if everyone had fun, it was a success. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, now I've heard that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> People don't have you fun don't believe it or you believe it? Uh, personally, well, I don't know. I think, yeah, I do believe it. It depends how you get your fun, though, doesn't it? You know, uh, everybody has to have fun. So, you know, if if one person's idea of fun is is counterproductive to another person's idea of fun, then you've got to, then you've got a bit of a weird dynamic at your table. Sounds like you've not encountered that yet, but I think at, at some stage or another, every DM does. They, they run into what's called, you know, the problem player, which is maybe not a great way of putting it, but just someone who's an ass. And you've been a player for long enough; you're bound to have seen them. Bound to, and you know, you were saying before oh, yeah. you struggled to not always find the right group. Well, you know, it, it does tend to fall onto the DM to do something about that. It's not right, but that's the way it is. Yeah, I think a lot of it's on the players too. Like, I find it easy to be the kind of player that lifts others up and says, Oh, why don't you roll for this? Why don't you look for this? Have you encountered a beast like this before, Ranger? Stuff like that, you know? And yeah, um, that's good. I'm trying to get better at calling people out when they offend me, but it's just sometimes it's hard because you don't want to ruin anybody's fun. But it's like, wait a minute, my fun counts too. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I think I think you're right to point out what you because you said in the end, if everybody's have fun, then it's good. And I think that's right. I think where me and Baz perhaps fall out with just have fun as a statement is sometimes people use that as a a way of saying what you should do to DM. It's like, well, just have fun. And like, that's no advice at all, you know, because everybody has different preferences and gets the fun in different ways. So just saying, just have fun is like, just saying, just do it. That's not actually advice. But the way you phrase it, I think is perfectly right, is if after the game everybody's have fun, then yes, definitely success. You know, thumbs up. That's all good. I really like to hear that you've done some artifacts as well. I'm a big fan of them myself. When I'm prepping games, I probably spend more time creating a brand new character sheet that I don't need to. <laughs> anything to do with plots or stats or monsters or you know like one thing i've done which i don't know whether you'll find useful is um i create little um like portrait cards for npcs as well because that just helps players remember who's in the game one thing i like oh, who who's the guy that asked us to do the thing and gets a bit confused if you can have little um standees or little portraits or pictures just to check out on the table that really helps players especially if they don't like making notes just to kind of go like 
oh, that guy, or, you know, it, it just pulls the story together a little bit. So if you like your crafty stuff, that might be an idea for you. I, I quite yeah. like doing that. For me, as a visual, visual person, I appreciate it times in D&D because when something's described to me, I'm like, oh, crap, wait, what What color hair did you have? <laughs> you know, and most of it doesn't matter, but sometimes it's like, oh, wait, I want to get it right. I want to know what you look like. I want to visualize this right. So Yeah. Well, you know, well, then, you know, again, that's that's a really good intuitive thing to know that when you're running a game is that you'll have players who feel like you do and you'll have other players who don't. So, you know, it's, um, it's basic advice, I guess, but you know, you've got to hit, you've got to hit all the senses when you speak to people and, and people learn in different ways. And there's all kinds of academia and theories on that. Um, but you know, when, certainly when I was starting out and this even happens now is I feel like I've said where the door is in the room, three four even five times and people <laughs> ask me where the door is in the room and, and i used to think it was their fault and it's not it's not always their fault at all like all i had to do was sketch it out and then no one would have asked would they but i, I used to think that my my description of big and fierce was so good that, that nobody could possibly mistake the orc for the door but yeah guess what i was wrong <laughs> listen nina have you killed anyone yet Knock two players unconscious in my first. <laughs> okay, well, I, I'll try. I'll for you. I will try. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's a big step. Seriously, I mean, uh, uh, you, uh, over your years of playing, I, I'm guessing you must have had your characters go down to the sword or the spell yeah. on occasion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and sometimes it feels like you've had that. an arm ripped off. Yeah, I've had two. The first one was total bullshit. There the you go. Second, the second <laughs> one though was fair. That was fair. I was dumb and I totally by myself, but the first one was bullshit. <laughs> All right. So, yeah, you so see, you have to deliver a bullshit death now to yeah. make up for that, to, to get the universe back in balance. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the bully becomes the bully. <laughs> yeah. That's how we improve society. <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe. We'll see how this Halloween session goes. I mean, it's it's going to be terrible and ghoulish, so... Yeah. Okay. That's good. good. So, I mean, I know you've not run um, loads of games or anything yet, but if you if you had a time machine, you could kind of go back and give young Nina some advice from now old and wise Nina, who's run a game before. Would you do anything differently? Do you think? Or sometimes when you play through something, you can kind of think, if I did it again, I'd do this differently or do that differently. Fine. You don't need to prep for like two weeks in advance. You're going to be okay. <laughs> it's going to be okay. <laughs> That's and my you, only advice. And you wouldn't have listened to that advice had you got no. in your time machine and gone no, back to speak to yourself. <laughs> you, you don't know what you're talking about. You've never played D&D before. <laughs> this is my first time DMing. I got to do it this way. <laughs> yeah. If your future self had come back and said, just have fun, you'd have been like, shut up. I've got to make. You know I know where you live. <laughs> <laughs> So did, did you actually enjoy the experience? I think, like, did did you find that better, the same as playing? Or I know because you're quite nervous when you run for the first time, it can be hard work. Enjoy is perhaps not quite the right word, but do you think actually it was, like, uh, equally good as playing? Yeah, I really liked it. I think I have to give it another couple of fair shots <laughs> mm, yeah, <laughs> because sure. I was so nervous and I was just – so worried about everyone having fun and having a good time and the two new players just loving D D. If they never play again, it's my fault. <laughs> <laughs> I think um I would have to do it again maybe a couple, maybe five or ten times before I would really sure. know 
like which position I liked better. But yeah, yeah. I think that's fair. But it seems like a lot of the younger players these days have, have done quite a bit of watching, say, Critical Role or something like that. Uh, maybe different shows to get some idea of how to GM or, or just get an idea about the game generally. Is that is that something you've bought into as well or not really your thing? I haven't watched that much, but we have. I have played in some live stream games and I have oh, wow. been a part of a podcast, Hit Dice Podcast, for multiple episodes. And um, at first... For from a player standpoint, it feels very different because there's definitely an added pressure, but um, it that goes away really quickly. And I think I probably should watch more. Um, I think I pull a lot of influence from the games I've been a part of, and I think it would help to pull influence from games I haven't been a part of. Mm. But so what's what's the what's that experience like? Because that's something I've not done. I played online games, but I've never actually done anything with streamed. I think. Yeah, I think possibly at first you must be conscious of what other people are thinking or that you do the right thing and you don't make any mistakes, do you? Or do you just, how quickly does it get from, oh, I'm being streamed to like, I'm just playing a game and you forget that the camera's on kind of thing? I think it took me about two episodes. So we played like two hour episodes back to back. And then it took me about the second time coming, like the second scheduled podcast before I was like, okay. This is, you just got to keep playing anything that's, it's the same with podcasts, like doing this, you know, you, mm. you're like, whenever I sound stupid, it's going to be edited out. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> you know, every weird, awkward pause that I have is going to be edited out. I can't focus on those things. I just got to focus on the content <laughs> and go for it and get into performance and just do it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Just a heads down, keep going. Right. So how, how do you think you would feel about running a game on live stream, like actually being the DM? Obviously, I keep giving you all these questions. I know you're quite new to it, so I feel a bit bad. No, but I am no, conscious. Okay. I've thought about it. I've definitely thought about it. And um, I've definitely been thinking about, you know, one of the most fun and successful things that's happened to me in my D&D career is the Hit Dice podcast. It's been such a blast to be a part of. I love recording it and being a part of it. And I'm thinking, like, I really kind of want to do my own and the- but I don't think my chops are there yet. Like, I think I need a lot more practice. I don't know anything about editing. And that would, it's definitely a future goal. Is now is to record your uh, runner. And then your mannerisms and you find you repeat the same words. And, and, and it, uh, it's not great if, you're, if, you're, if you've got a thin skin, but you do learn a lot from it. So I don't know if you've ever listened back to the podcast stuff that you've been on, but it could be it could be crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, one of the difficulties we ran into in the beginning before we got better sound equipment is me and the other girl on the podcast sounded exactly the same. Uh, yeah, yeah, <laughs> so yeah. we were like, uh, I, and even me, I was like, wait, I played through this. Is that me? Am I speaking? <laughs> <laughs> and then it became very clear after episode two, and it was fine. But it was like, uh, like oh my god. <laughs> Yeah, Gaz and I don't have that problem. It might not be obvious to our institutions, but our accents are very, very regional, as we sometimes get reminded. So do you listen to any podcasts or anything like that as well, then? You don't do the stream stuff, but um, podcasts? Um, No, I just, I'm, just like I said, I'm not the most auditory person. I think I could get in the habit. I definitely like listening to podcasts while I'm driving. And I think if I mm. found one I liked, that would be perfect because I drive 30 minutes to work each way. 
Yeah, there's certainly loads of really good podcasts about and live streams as well, I suppose. A um, little bit of digging, just Google up some stuff. Find one you like and then look for the ones that get recommended to you by the people who like that too. Uh, we love the Grognard Files over here in the UK. Put some links in the show notes, I'm sure. Um, they do some really good stuff delving into the history of games from back in the day and some new stuff too. And that sometimes has some actual plays on it too, sometimes starring the idiots on this podcast. But there you go, you kind of everything. Also recommend, if you like horror gaming, Good Friends of Jackson Elias is always useful. How We Roll podcast has some really good actual plays. Um, you kind of have to dig around a bit, but there's definitely no shortage of people to listen to and, and you can get tips and tricks from them. Even if it's stuff you think, that's not going to work for me. Well, that, that's learning something, isn't it? Talking of not working for you, Baz, um, we probably should discuss at some point phones and things at the table. I've had to get a little bit less tyrannical about it because actually people can check their emails and fully participate in a game at the same time i can't do it but other people can it's absolutely fine they're not they're not just completely zoning out just because they've got something else in their hand or on their mind you know and, uh, and people can listen to a podcast in one ear and watch a video with their eyes and drive their car with their feet and do all kinds of crazy stuff yeah, I'm not I'm not like that either. I if I take a phone call in the car, I have to pull over because I just I can't pay attention to two things at once. Oh, if I'm looking to like park somewhere, I have to turn the radio off. I can't even have that. <laughs> I have to turn the sound down. If I'm coming up on my destination, it's impossible. So but but then the same is true if I'm running the game of D and D. that's where sometimes if it if it gets if it gets quite serious, I get I, I could get annoyed by distractions. Managing distractions is another one of those DM's jobs, isn't it? I've got a mate, he's a, a lovely fellow I've known for the absolute years, and the, one of the best things he does is he brings snacks to games, really good snacks. But I get resentful if they're being offered around while I'm describing my orc and I'm onto adjective two and I'm looking for adjective three <laughs> and the, 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 the cookies have got in the way of that. Ah. We have, we definitely have our designated snack. The detriment of recording your your D and D games is you can't eat snacks because no one wants to hear you chewing. That is that is absolutely correct. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah nobody wants to hear you slurping on noodles <laughs> into your microphone. <laughs> what is it called? Wait, what is it called when it goes like from ear to ear? A, it's like a an acronym. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? No, it's like no. there's a new thing in recording where it's like. Like I'm slurping noodles like 360 around your face. Never mind. Oh, like a, yeah, a surround sound kind of. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, well, it might come in handy as a sound effect when your giant centipedes leap in through the window again. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I think you know I'm sort of conscious of time apart from anything else. Nina, it's been um, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you, and uh, you know, congrats again on 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 DMing your first game. Yeah, I just feel like after I DM'd this session i've definitely leveled up as a D player um and after talking with you guys i feel so much better about my first experience it was you know i keep thinking about it and it's good to know that i'm not the only one that um had a stressful or difficult first experience you know you always judge yourself too harshly i think in the beginning of things um, and so it's good to hear that you guys experienced this as well. And thank you so much for having me on. I've had such a blast. It's so fun to talk to you guys and um, talk about my first time DMing. Thank you so much. Well, again, yeah, so listen, thanks for being on. Yeah, absolute pleasure, as Baz says. Thanks a lot. Ta-da. Bye.